spend my dollar. It's not about what you want, it's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to an excellent edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Today, we're going to jump right in and cover six things that jumped off the field for me. Now, these are six things. They're not exhaustive. It's not sort of the full reinvention of the of the pregame, the pre-spring sort of rundown. These are the six things that popped for me. And hey, it may not be your list. Uh, this is my list. If there's something else. Hey, send it over in the chat. Send it over in the email and uh, join us for a virtual tailgate. And uh, we'll bang those topics out. Holding back maybe on a couple topics because heck, we have to have something to talk about over the summer. So let's start where you do, and that's with the quarterbacks. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go right up from the uh, the front. I was pulling together some notes, and the Tyler Buckner uh, news broke. As I was putting together my uh, my quarterback notes, so I'm going to talk about the quarterback play in the context of a day, and then we're going to add an addendum, and we're going to talk about uh, Tyler Buckner and that situation. So bear with me because as you're hearing this, you're wanting to jump in and say all of that is going to be different and wrong and and changed. We're looking at this in in two contexts, uh, so let's jump at it from there. Uh, you know, when we talk about quarterback play on A-Day, the single number one thing that jumped off the field to me was Dylan Lonergan and his poise and presence in the pocket. He's a true freshman. He's not going to compete for the starting job under any circumstance, you know, barring mass exodus or uh, or injury. But he looked very poised. Uh, I can put him in a competition group with Eli Holstein. And then and then there's the Tyler uh, Milrow competition, you know, for one, two, and then the competition for three, four, if you want to look at it that way. That's how I look at it. Dylan clearly beat out uh, uh, Holstein. And so coming out of A-Day, we might not know who one and two is, but we certainly have a read on who three and four uh, is. And that's good. That's progress. That's what, that's what we want to see. Lana Grin, I thought, looked really good. Again, a lot of poise and presence uh, in the pocket. The second uh, observation that really jumped off uh, the field for me, talking about quarterbacks at 8A, is Tyler Simpson. Dude has wheels. Uh, there's been stories about, hey, he has some mobility, the high school footage where he has mobility, but it looks different uh, on the college playing field with the college uh, defender. And I thought Tyler certainly demonstrated his mobility uh, in the pocket. It was a called run, and, man, he looked really, really good. I have to believe that in a game, especially in a tight game, he would have lowered his shoulder and uh, and attempted to, uh, to break free. Uh, he had one man to beat, and in the scrimmage, you stepped out of bounds. That's what you do uh, in a tough sort of physical game. You might lower your shoulder and see if you can get uh, a handful of more yards. If he had shaken that guy, he would have run for a touchdown. So, uh, he had that much mobility and uh, and that many moves uh, in the open field. I thought he looked really, really good there. When we think about the quarter com- uh, quarterback competition in the context of A-Day, Tyler Simpson and, and Jalen Milrow, I thought Tyler, uh, for me, it breaks down like this, right? And I'm on record. I think Tyler Simpson you know, wins the job, wins this competition for the job. And for me, uh, I, th- I thought Tyler demonstrated more running the ball than Milrow did passing. 
I break it down this way. Tyler is a better runner than Milrow is a passer. And when you start looking at the skill set necessary to play quarterback, you know, you're going to lean heavy towards the passer versus the runner. But if Tyler sort of raises his floor with his ability to run, it really puts the pressure on Milrow to improve as a passer. Uh, and again, Milrow wasn't bad. He had a he had a, a good day. He he is going to be more up and down. Uh, we predicted that his his fantastic plays are fantastic er, and his bad plays are worse er. Neither of those are words, but you know we know what we're saying, right? And so, uh, to the extent in the context of a day, it was a great competition, but it was exactly what we predicted. It was a managed prediction. So this is maybe my third observation. It was a managed competition as we predicted. I treat it like I was thinking this morning, how do I want to talk about sort of my posture on the quarterback position, the competition? This is before the Bruckner news broke. And uh, and then in, in the context of, of Tyler and, and Milrow, and I thought, you know, it's a lot like craps. Uh, I love playing craps. Haven't played in longer than than I'd like to admit, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And the objective is you want to, uh, you know, you want to hit your set number before they roll a seven. And then there's a, a sort of a whole inventory of numbers that you can set. And a hot table starts hitting all of those numbers because you have those positions covered. That starts hitting all of those numbers, and uh, before a seven is rolled, and you can really, you know, sort of make bank. And so I'll look at my position on the quarterback competition, almost like craps where you've covered the numbers. If Simpson comes out and just beats Milrow, just clearly beats him out, well, that's what I've predicted. If it's tight and and Tyler Simpson's a little bit better, well, I predicted that too, because I predicted it would be a close competition or managed competition. If Milrow's a little bit better, then that's okay. It's still a managed competition. And if Milrow comes out and just Falls out and clears clearly is the number one. Well, that's that's the one stake on the table, if you will, uh, where I don't have a position, and so and we won't really know who the starting quarterback is probably until the second half of the Texas game, and so there's a long runway where, call it what you will, I'm not wrong. Uh, it you know it's a long game, and so when we talk about it being a managed competition, we're not going to learn anything on a day. We're just going to see what we see, and we don't know who the starting quarterback is until maybe into the Texas game. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, now that potentially changes with the breaking news. We're not losing sight of that. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to come back to that. But uh, I think uh, I, I think a, a couple other factors uh, played into the quarterback play on Saturday that were not necessarily the fault of the competitors. The wide receivers were terrible, and we're not even going to dedicate a section to them uh, today because they're, they were just bad. So many drops and uh, and poor uh, poor play at the wide receiver position. Uh, shit ton of talent, but um, we need to see uh, we need to see that the scope of the game, the nature of the game, where you tag the quarterback and that's a sack that neutralizes Milrose advantage. Uh, he had quite a number of runs that that would have gone farther. The coaches know that uh, we're just playing to to prevent injuries. And speaking of injuries, uh, Tyler Simpson played hurt. Uh, he he banged his hand uh, and apparently was in a little bit of a of a cast afterwards, according to reports from the family or attributed to the family. And so maybe he showed a little bit of heart in continuing to play, and maybe that impacted his play over the course of the day. Now they didn't force an injury. That's not a coach's 
thing. It's just the whole competition, I think, was uh, was a little bit – it's managed, not manufactured. It's real live competition, but it's being managed, and especially, you know, the stats and the results uh, as they come out and the footage of practice and and such. So those are a couple, uh, couple of the observations that I made on the, the quarterback position. Leaving A-Day, I very, remain very strongly entrenched uh, that Tyler would be the, the starting quarterback. Uh, Tyler Simpson would be, uh, Ty Simpson would be the, the starting quarterback for Alabama come, come the fall. Uh, but this just in, breaking news as it, uh, uh, as it turns out. See, so here, here the, the news press so uh, Tyler Buckner, so now we're going to get all confused with our Tylers. Tyler Buckner, uh, Notre Dame transfer, is indeed coming to Tuscaloosa. Now, a lot of people are going to interpret that and read that a lot of different ways. Here's the thoughts that sort of run through my mind. Hmm, that's very interesting, right? I think potentially this is fantastic news. I think it's great news. It definitely elevates the competition across the team and certainly within the quarterback room. The you know this is this is Spinal Tap. Turn the knob to eleven. There was already incredible competition amongst the two or three at the top of the list. Well, turn that up, crank that up, because now there's more competition. Now there's more uh, starting experience. There's more talent in the room, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Now. How it shakes out, I think there are competitors that will leave the program. And I use maybe air quotes around the term competitor. We might have hung around when it's a four-man quarterback room with really competition for two, uh, amongst two for the starting position. But when it's a five-man room and there's three competing for the starting uh, position, someone may elect to bow out. And, And I mean this in all the right ways. That's probably not the person we want on the team. We probably would not have wanted that person to win the job, and then we find out midseason that they don't have that competitive fire uh, about them. So, again, sort of a long play and speculative in a way that might be hard to validate. But uh, I think uh, increased competition is always good. <clears throat> Weeding out uh, non-competitors or people that have a competitive threshold from such a crucible of challenge, uh, probably not all bad. Uh, Bruckner will not be handed the job. He is handed an opportunity to compete. At Notre Dame, Sam Hartman was going to pretty much be handed the job as a transfer in. Uh, Ty said, look, I don't want to do that. Or Bruckner is probably thinking or saying, I don't want to do that to someone else. However, give me a fair chance at competition and I will eat that with a spoon. So that's what I suspect we're going to see uh, from a quarterback uh, competition. I've read a little bit about Bruckner. There's going to be a lot more sources out there, uh, but a little bit of uh, what I read. Uh, he's an elite 11 uh, quarterback, which already speaks to a, t- a caliber, uh, a talent level. He was considered uh, by those in the California, San Diego area that were close to uh, to his career, uh, tracking him through the Elite 11 and his recruiting, that he may have been one of the highest-ranked quarterbacks, one of the best quarterback recruits that Notre Dame ever signed. Now, there's a little speculation on that. There's a little, you know, uh, object, uh, objectiveness or subjectiveness to that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, to be sort of in the radar uh, from people who track recruiting is uh, is an interesting uh 
It's an interesting thought process. Uh, Bruckner was plagued with injuries uh, in his career. It's almost like he's our Jojo Earl, just going the other way. Where he was, uh, he was plagued by injury. When he played, he played well, demonstrated some capability, but never could consistently sort of win the position. Sounds a lot like Jojo Earl at Alabama going to TCU to hit a reset. And uh, maybe Bruckner is coming to Alabama and we are his health uh, reset, if you will. I don't want to underscore the fact that Tommy Reese was Notre Dame's offensive coordinator last year. And so there's uh, some simpatico between uh, Bruckner and Reese. Does that give him an advantage? Yes. Uh, is that advantage enough to overcome the disadvantage of enrolling in April? Well, we don't know. And is he going to enroll in April? Uh, probably not. Alabama's on the um, the semester system. And so, you know, he probably doesn't really start showing up until uh, the summer. And so there's an inherent disadvantage. So he has an inherent advantage with an inherent disadvantage. And uh, we'll see if he can get his career on track. If he wins the job, then that's net great for Alabama. We did improve the quarterback play on the field. Uh, if he doesn't win the job, maybe some more transfers out, then we've uh, had a competitor or, or competitor with a competitive ceiling leave the program. We've discovered that in April as opposed to uh, October in the fourth quarter. And his mere presence not only has clarified the competition, distilled the finer more finely distilled the competition, but it has improved the result of the competition, whether he comes in first place or second place in that competition. Uh, it's a more robust, it's a finer distilled um, competition. And so I think that's good for Alabama. So up and down, uh, now you can say this demonstrates, now those are all the good things. Now you can argue this, this is Saban showing zero confidence in the whole quarterback room. Well, that, I don't think that's true. Saban chases competition doing this is very much in line. This is not a lack of confidence for the other guys. This is inserting competition into a position that probably desperately needs it. Coaches see a lot more in practice than fans ever do. Could Alabama win with either Milrow or Ty Simpson at quarterback? Yes. Could they win it all with either of those as the starting quarterback? I lean towards no. Uh, if Bruckner is better than all any of them, then maybe that that pushes or extends the potential ceiling on this Alabama team. So again, I think it's a net positive and uh, we'll see certainly uh, how it shakes out. It also could reveal, and again, this is a metric that may not be knowable. If the coaches know this, I don't think they would come out and say it. Maybe Saban might in a moment, but be interesting to see how the pressers go on this. But the coaches may already know that someone was going to leave the program. And so if we're happy with the four, as Alabama fans, if we were happy with the four that we had, would we be that happy if one left and we were down to three? Probably not. And so if the coaches knew that was happening, then Bruckner coming in probably helps us, um, probably helps us in that regard. And it's a crisis averted that we didn't even know. Uh, you know, when terrorist strikes are prevented from ever happening, you don't know about it. This may have been, it's a crazy, horrible sort of correlation I'm trying to draw there. Uh, but uh, if there was a risk of being down to three quarterbacks that we didn't know about, we just prevented that risk from happening. Very good. So net positive in that regard. Every day we rise 
challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, let's get back to a sort of our regularly scheduled programming uh, where we're talking about uh, observations, the top six observations that I had. It's not my net. These are not all the observations. This is just a categorization of the top six. All right, so moving on, number two. Look, there's a short answer here. Damn, they all looked good. Uh, but um, <clears throat> but what jumped off the field for me was freshman uh, Justice Hayes. <clears throat> Man, he looked really really good. I'm not predicting that he's going to be the number one running back. I'm predicting he's going to be in a tight rotation uh, at the top. He does wear uh, number 22, so your mind's eye can't help but think about Mark Ingram. He looks uh, maybe a little bit thicker than Mark Ingram. It's hard to see if his uh, sort of vision and balance in the hole uh, are similar to Mark, but he did have uh, a couple of short yardage touchdowns, and so that speaks to uh, visibility, uh, physicality, uh, confidence from the coaching staffs to, to protect the ball. Justice Hayes, there was a lot of excitement and a lot of reports. This guy's going to be, but that's all they are is reports. All this is is A-Day, but we saw it in a way as a fan base. We saw it live in a way uh, that sort of manufactured film or or uh, selectively edited film uh, can't show. We saw Justice Hayes have a tremendous day, and uh, that bodes well for the Alabama backfield. Uh, whether he's one, two, or three in the rotation, yeah, the young kid, uh, the youngster has some talent. Jace McClellan, to me, uh, looked lighter and faster with a little more burst. Last season, if we think about the 22 season, uh, I think he started to show increased burst as the season progressed, as he got you know further away uh, from injury. He, he had his one-year anniversary of the injury midseason, and uh, to add – Several months to that in an April A day, and then add several months, uh, several additional uh, months. Uh, when we think about the season, we're going to have a two-year anniversary on that uh, injury. I think Jace, the trajectory for Jace is only to look better and better. Same could be said about Roydale Williams, uh, although he didn't pop in my eye in the same way uh, Jace did. So uh, Jace probably enters the season as the number one running back because he has the competition of demonstrated capability uh, as well as experience. But I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a dogfight uh, for the number two uh, position, and I think that's that's going to go between Justice Hayes and Jamarian Miller, who was not disappointing in the slightest. And we have uh, a great deal of affection for uh, Jamarian Miller. We we'll probably continue to call him Jamarian because I just like that. But Jam Miller, I think uh, he certainly did not uh, disappoint, and I really like the top three in the Alabama uh, running back room. They're talented enough that you could play them all early and follow the hot hand over the course of the game. They're, to me, they're that good that you, th- you roll them out, see who has the hot hand, and then you follow that for the rest of that quarter. And maybe you do that again at, in, in the second half. I think they're that talented and that you could approach it with that sort of uh, put a blank o- blanket over them mentality. Saban won't do that. Let's be clear about that. But in my mind, in my eye watching – they all have that talent. Now, Justice Hayes needs to get some some experience against SEC uh, defenses. 
Uh, Jamarian probably needs more experience against SEC defenses. And so for that reason, Jace is, is the clear number one going into the season. But watch for that deck to shuffle as we get into the season. Uh, we're talking A-Day here, and we're going to say a lot of those words again when we get into fall camp and early season, but certain, certain certainly something to, to tuck away. All right, topic three, <clears throat> offensive line. And I'm going to tell you the biggest – I got, I got three surprises, and then I'm going to tie them together. The single number one biggest surprise for me across the offensive line was Darian Dalkert starting at left guard. I just didn't see that. I didn't predict it. Uh, I thought, hey, we're giving him an opportunity to compete for the, the left guard, uh, the starting guard position. But when it comes to A-Day and we have to split the roster, then we have to maybe move people around in order to play a competitive-based split roster. And if you think about Dalkert is competing for an opportunity at guard, but really he's, you know, potentially the number one or number two center, well, then you have to put him on the other squad, uh, call it the second team squad, for the sake of having a center on that squad. Apparently, two things are happening. Dalkert may be playing well enough at guard that he stayed with the ones. The interest in manufacturing that competition so that he doesn't transfer may be enough that we give him that, that chance at the guard. And also in addition to James Brockermeyer, his development at center may be such that let's give him additional reps. Maybe Dalkert has in mind, has in mind to transfer. I don't know that either. There's a lot of cards that we don't know, uh, but the decision was made to uh, to start Dalkert at left uh, at left guard. I thought he was okay. Uh, James Brockemeyer, I thought looked good uh, as a third, effectively what I'm going to call a third center. Uh, I thought he looked good with the twos. There's still obviously development uh, opportunities there, but uh, I thought that was uh, I, I thought that was interesting. That was my biggest surprise. A group of us uh, had went to dinner uh, Thursday night. And uh, running with a guy, and we specifically talked about, you know, Dalcourt. And I said, there's no way in the world he's not the center on the twos. It just, there's nobody else. And boy, I was, uh, I was incredibly wrong on that. And that may have been uh, when the teams ran out, ran out to line up. That may have been the biggest uh, surprise that I had. Second biggest surprise is Eli Pritchard. Uh, he had a tough day. Uh, he had a tough day at left tackle. I'm, I'm pleased that he's been given the opportunity at left tackle. That speaks to uh, Ape's upside uh, capability on his side. Uh, but he had a tough day at left tackle going against the ones, which is, number one, surprising. And number two, especially surprising, uh, given Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell were out. And so Pritchard was effectively going against the number two uh, outside linebackers. And, uh, and again, he struggled. So I was uh, color me uh, surprised on that. And then my third uh, across the offensive line, my third sort of biggest surprise is how good the Fav Five uh, freshmen looked. Uh, just phenomenal. Caden uh, Proctor is more than advertised. Uh, he goes 6'7", 354. And it just I don't think there's there's no bad weight on him. He, he looks like... Uh, a 10 year NFL event. He's just put together. Uh, Olas uh, Allen, I need to work on my names. He is Thor. 
There's no doubt about it. I think he goes six seven, six eight, and he has the long, flowing blonde hair. Uh, he is well. He he is, uh, and he looks really good in his uniform. Uh, really put together. Uh, I think he is going to be uh, a future uh, tackle at Alabama, and, and will play. Uh, Wilkin Formby uh, looked really good. Miles McVeigh looked really good. And uh, Rock Montgomery uh, looked really good uh, as well. He wore number 55, and uh, he looked like, and I mean this in all the right ways, he looked like a more put-together Emil Echior. And Echior was in the system four or five years. This guy should have been going to his prom uh, after A-Day. Uh, he's a true freshman that uh, came to Alabama early. Now, I'm going to tie all three of these together, and it really simplifies like this. There are three legitimate tackles battling for two spots. Elijah Pritchard is still in the competition. One bad day doesn't uh, dissuade that. Um, J.C. Latham, we haven't mentioned him, but he looked good uh, back over at the uh, right tackle spot. And Caden Proctor, the freshman that we mentioned, don't get mistaken. He's competing. Uh, he was second team starting left guard, or I'm sorry, left tackle. And uh, we have, so I think Alabama has three legit tackles competing for two spots. Uh, two of those guys are going to win. And the third guy, call him the odd man out, he steps in for Dalkert at the left guard. I think it simplifies uh, quite that way. Uh, Dalkert, uh, um, he may transfer if he's reading these tea leaves. Um, he may transfer out or he may increase the competition in fall camp at the center position, uh, which can only help uh, Alabama. And so uh, that's that's my thoughts there. Uh, a lot of good things across the offensive line. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, Tyler Booker, uh, we talked about him last year. He lined up more at right guard, and uh, he rolled up his shirt and looked like Chance Warmack out there, looked like a war daddy. So uh, and he looked really good on the field. So I'm really liking how this offensive line is coming together. We do have some questions still uh, at the – call it the left tackle position, but I'll say tackles because I think there's three competing for two spots. And then I think the answer, uh, sort of the odd person out there, answers the question at the left guard position, uh, which means there's going to be five bruisers out there. I think the Alabama offensive line is, uh, is going to surprise uh, folks this fall. All right, let's move along. My number four uh, topic is linebackers inside and outside. I am pleased with talent and depth. Incredibly, uh, incredibly impressed. Think about this. Deontay Lawson, middle linebacker, didn't play injury. Chris Braswell didn't play injury. Dallas Turner didn't play injury. Now, these guys have been nursing things, uh, held out a lot from the spring. Uh, no need to sort of risk further injury and jeopardize their position for the fall. All are expected to return uh, full health in the fall. So they all sat out 8A. Uh, Keon Keeley, not yet on campus, going to be a true freshman, incredibly highly ranked five-star uh, sort of defensive end, outside linebacker uh, type player. Uh, none of those four players were available to play uh, for Alabama Saturday. Those four players put together may constitute uh, arguably – may constitute the best linebacker tandem in the country. You could argue that. None played on Saturday. And the talent and capability that Alabama was still able to put on the field split across two squads 
was pretty dang impressive. Uh, uh, Cano uh, Coot, uh, I think Elijah Pritchard is seeing him in his nightmares. Uh, he had a phenomenal day coming off the end. Uh, Quandarius Robinson, uh, to this day, most famous or infamous for touching the ball against Tennessee. Uh, he had a phenomenal day. And uh, Quay Russo, I thought, had a really good day uh, as well against sort of at the outside linebacker positions. The middle linebackers, again, we're talking about Deontay Lawson, uh, who arguably might be one of the better linebackers on the team. He did not play. Uh, you would not have noticed uh, Tresman Marshall, uh, I thought was phenomenal in the middle. He really looks good. Uh, Jihad Campbell played well enough that uh, I've seen I've, I've seen some folks uh, indicate that he might well have earned a spot in the in is one of the two starting linebackers uh, opposite uh, opposite Lawson. So that speaks to his uh, outstanding play. And then uh, you have Justin Jefferson, who I had with uh, Tresman Marshall competing for an in back uh, an inside uh, spot opposite of Lawson. So you may have three guys really competing uh, for that one spot opposite Lawson. Again, competition wins the day. And Kendrick Blackshire, he looked phenomenal. Dude is uh, is put together. Uh, number 40 uh, is an intimidating character when he comes onto the field. So I think we have five guys that can all play competing for, uh, competing for two spots. And uh, I think that's going to ratchet up the competition. It's going to provide incredible depth when uh, – when Alabama needs to ro rotate people out, and again, we never root for injury, uh, but having this level of in, uh, this level of depth at a singular uh, position, uh, there's two positions, two insides, but at that uh, tight of a of a position group, uh, really bodes well. If if you do have to uh, absorb an injury, and of course we're we're not rooting for that at all. All right, number five, we're going to go to secondary. Uh, you know. Pre-spring, I said this could be a strength of the team. Coming out of spring, this is a strength of the team. This is uh, phenomenal how this is coming together in the secondary. I love, I love, I love uh, what we're seeing in the Alabama secondary. Uh, the corner spots, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry might be the best corner in the country. Uh, of course, everything was based on opposite, who plays opposite, who plays opposite. And Terry and Arnold really ste stepped up and uh, is, looks like he is going to assume that mantle. I, I thought he looked very, very uh, good in spring. Uh, the backup corners, which themselves they themselves started, against split squad 8A, uh, Des Ricks, or as he is now forever affectionately known again, uh, amongst the podcast uh, travel cool, uh, team, uh, Dees Ricks was phenomenal. He looked very, very good. True freshman, five-star, right? And so um, a lot to look forward there. Uh, Antonio Kite uh, on the other side, he as well looked very, very good. I like the two deep, uh, the four corners that we have um, uh, in the Alabama secondary. Again, all looked very, very good. The safety, Malachi Moore, uh, was phenomenal at star. Uh, Earl Little Jr. Uh, also looked really good. And uh, he may be too good uh, to keep off, off the field. We're going to circle back to that uh, here in just a second. Caleb Downs, uh, true freshman, again, another guy that should have been going to prom uh, Saturday night. Man, was he impressive. He look, he His comfort level on the field looks like a preseason All-America senior, and his physicality and just his physical makeup, he looks like a third-year pro bowler. 
Caleb Downs is going to be a name to know and a name to watch. Number two in your secondary, uh, soon to be number one in your hearts, is Caleb Downs. And in Christian's story, uh, number 11 in the secondary, uh, secondary, more of a strong safety build. Uh, he looked very, very good as well. That's a uh, that's a five Alabama bases out of a nickel that Alabama fans could really get behind. Kool-Aid, uh, Tarion at the corners, Malachi at the star with Caleb and Story at uh, at the safety positions. There's a lot to love there. Now, here's the storyline that as Alabama fans, we're going to need to watch in the secondary because this is going to tell us how things are really going to shake out. Malachi Moore practiced all spring drills at the safety position. When Jaquez Robinson and Traquan Figgins, who had been practicing at the star position, when they transferred, that forced Malachi to have to go back to star. He was going to be with the starters at safety. Saban talked about this in his in his in his presser. Uh, that forced some deck shuffling, so that we had people that could that could play the position out playing the position. And so Malachi uh, moved to the star position uh, as a result of the transfers out. Uh, that freed up uh, a safety, uh, that freed up a, a, a safety position, and it created a little bit of sort of turmoil, not turmoil, but it created some some questions that need to be answered uh, with with the secondary play. Now, Malachi Moore was phenomenal in a day. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, he looked a little bit bigger. He looked healthier. He looked quick on his feet. There were a couple times maybe it looked like uh, and and I'm going to default that it was his instincts, but he looked to come off his defender a couple times faster than maybe I thought he should have, but maybe he was seeing something, reading something. So I give a little bit of credit, more credit to him than I do my analysis. I'm just saying what I saw, but I thought he looked really, really good. Did he play well enough that he is unimpeachable at the star position? Well, yes, he did. But that is not the question. The question is, Earl Little, for the white uh, team, he played very well at star two. In fact, he played well enough that he could start for Alabama at that position. So the question isn't, is Malachi Moore unimpeachable at, at the star? The question is, if Malachi were to go back to safety, who would you bump off the field? Well, I think it would, would it would be Christian Story. And so the question then becomes can Eli can Earl Little Jr. play the star better than Christian Story can play the safety? And their indirect competition will dictate where Malachi Moore plays. Now, my prediction, Earl Little is such a talent. He's a sophomore, redshirt freshman. I believe he's a five-star. Uh, he is such a talent that I think he can play star better than Christian Story can play safety, that he will be he will make more dynamic plays at star than Christian Story can make at safety, which means Malachi Moore plays the safety spot. Earl Little plays uh, the star. And there really is no loser in that competition because whoever does sort of 
air quote, lose that competition, they become the starter at dime. Now, we don't play dime as much. That player wouldn't be on the field quite as much. Uh, but it's either going to be Earl at star and Malachi at safety, or it's going to be Malachi at star and Story at safety with the other Story or Little um, coming coming in at dime. So that's going to be the fun thing to watch there. Uh, so again, it's an indirect competition who can play their position better than the other. And that sort of, it's going to, um, is going to solve, uh, sort of solve the riddle there. Uh, we see that a lot. In fact, we're going to see it on this team, uh, an offensive line who can play the position better than the other, uh, you know, and then that, that sort of dictates, you know, who plays and who doesn't. And so we got three, like, like we talked about, we've got three tackles competing for two spots. The odd man out's going to take the odd man out. Air quote is going to take Dalkert's spot uh, at a tackle or at the guard. Uh, again, my my prediction. All right, we're going to wrap this up. My sixth uh, observation. Uh, this is an easy one. <clears throat> the level of competition up and down the field was phenomenal. The team was hitting. Uh, there was great physicality. Uh, they also looked like they were just having a good time. Uh, which was incredible. Physically, the team looked great. Uh, in the stands where uh, where we sort of camped out, uh, we were right over where the defensive linemen were warming up. And so I was looking all over the field, uh, but gosh, they were just kind of right there in front of us. So I pulled out the binoculars and uh, watching, the, watching the defensive linemen, uh, there was not a bad body amongst them. There really wasn't. You look at the offensive linemen, uh, there's not a bad body uh, amongst them. Now they're all over 300, so I'm not saying they're um, fitness models, uh, but relative to their position, relative to how they look in uniform, how they're going to step off the bus, they look good. Uh, we've all seen an offensive or defensive lineman with a bad body, and we know what a good body uh, at those positions looked like. They all looked really, really good. That speaks to the team uh, sort of doubling down, uh, the coaches doubling down, the offseason program uh, having an effect, and uh, certainly bodes well uh, for the team this fall. So that's super-duper exciting. Uh, overall, overall, as we start to sort of wrap up this conversation, overall, a lot to like as an Alabama fan and a lot to look forward to. This summer, you know, there's this summer we're going to have uh, – I'm doing a hard transition here, right? Uh, overall, a lot to like for this team, an incredible amount to look forward to. It's going to be – it's going to be exciting to be an Alabama fan uh, this season in a way that's different than maybe it has in prior seasons because this is going to be a young team uh, aspiring and I think accomplishing uh, great things. That's not predicting a title. That's just saying this team is going to look really, really good, uh, be physical, and uh, have a great deal of success. So now transition. This summer, uh, the travel team had such a great time. This summer, I probably want to break down uh, the travel team uh, experienced a little bit, and we'll be careful. Uh, we're not going to name a lot of names and get anybody in the trouble necessarily, but uh, we had an incredible uh, amount of fun. Uh, we have two reps uh, now in Tuscaloosa with uh, with the travel team, and so we might break down some of our good times, and um, I'll treat it as sort of the hard sale uh, episode, if you will, uh, over the summer to get people to, uh, hey, give us a, give us an opportunity on the Zoom calls, on the virtual tailgates, 
and uh, get in the chat. Uh, and then, you know, maybe uh, if that sort of works out, uh, you know, participate in the travel squad or meet up with us in Tuscaloosa because it's just uh, a really, really good time. But anyways, just a couple of uh, three bullets just to kind of sell it, pre-sell it. Uh, we had a metric, uh, a metric ton of good times. We met Bruce Wayne, true story. And uh, I think we had the best chili in absolutely the history of mankind. So those are uh, those are three things that uh, we had going for us. Uh, we had some really good cigars and uh, we had a phenomenal uh, bourbon selection to choose from uh, when we were hanging out uh, at our uh, podcast headquarters. So there you have it. Uh, in the meantime, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Say it with me. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.